to episode 46 of the Retrospectors podcast. My name is Patrick Arthur and I'm joined as always by my co-host James Turlings. This fortnight we played through Super Mario World. Are you eager to talk about Mario this fortnight, James? Yeah, I actually am, Patrick. I uh, I thought we would have done Super Mario way before episode 46 on this uh, retro game podcast, but I guess we had uh, more important games to play, like Prince of Persia, Warrior Within, and uh, <laughs> Lunar Silver Star Story. <laughs> yeah, no, it is odd, because, you know, we've done the first Sonic the Hedgehog, we did the original Castlevania, but we really haven't covered an endless stream of 2D platformers on this show, despite you and I both being fans of modern platformers like Celeste and Super Meat Boy. And not too long ago, I played through a very tough uh, Super Nintendo-inspired platformer called A Thousand and One Spikes. I've played a bit of Super Mario Maker. I'm by no means very good at it, but that's the main way that I've been exposed to Mario. As I've alluded to before, I only really had a PC growing up, so I wasn't playing these Mario games that everyone else was. Have you played any of the Mario games uh, very much, James? So I've actually mostly played the 3D Mario games, being a huge 3D platforming fan, as you uh, might have figured mm. from a lot of my previous picks on the show. Um, so, But the 2D space, I really haven't explored it that much out of maybe some of the newer Super Mario Bros on um, like Wii U and that kind of thing. Mm. And, you know, I've played the first one because everyone has. Um, so, yeah, kind of excited to see how this holds up. This is kind of, the, you know, the franchise that started it all, right? And not only that, Super Mario World is extremely highly regarded. Like, yes. some people consider this one of the best video games of all time. Definitely a great game to pick for the show. And um, something that uh, I remember you bringing up last time, Patrick, is that uh, you were very confident that your experience with Super Mario Maker was going to uh, carry you through this game easily, and I'm uh, kind of excited to see uh, if that was or wasn't the case. Uh, spoilers, <laughs> this game kicked my ass. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we are, of course, the Retrospectives podcast. Uh, each and every fortnight, James and I play through a classic or niche or, you know, secretly well-regarded game of the past, and we play it through from start to finish to determine if it has truly stood the test of time, if it is worth your time to play through today. We're not interested in how good these games were in the context in which they were produced. We don't really care about hardware limitations in the time at which it was produced. All we care about is, is it fun to play today? Uh, so with Super Mario World, it's of course a 1990 platform game. Uh, it was developed by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, the SNES. Uh, it's obviously not the first Super Mario game. You had... Um, Mario 1, 2, and 3 before it, and of course the uh, the arcade games before that. But this was the first SNES one, and in fact it was the launch title for the Super Nintendo. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, it feels somewhat redundant to explain this game just because it's so... It's so ingrained in the collective consciousness of anyone who's touched video games, but it's a 2D platformer, and it kind of follows on from the basic uh, mechanics of the previous Mario games, but adds a bunch of power-ups and tweaks and mechanical refinements and additions to make it a whole new thing. 
this Fortnite I played on a Super Nintendo emulator. I don't own a SNES. I assume you don't either, James. No, I do not. So we played on SNES 9.X or something. Is that what it's called? It's SNES 9X, Patrick. Come on. <laughs> I was pretty close. Played on SNES 9X and um, it all worked brilliantly for me. I will say that from a technical point of view... I did experience some slowdown when the screen got busy, but I assume that's just... It being accurate? Yeah, I can't imagine uh, your computer would struggle with Super Mario World, Patrick, (laughs) and uh, if it did, you're probably going to have to invest in some new hardware. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I sure hope not. So yeah, I mean, I assume when I've watched um, people play ROM hacks, everything just runs smoothly 100% of the time, so I don't know if this is a if this is like a software limitation or if the hacks have solved the issue. It's probably just a different configuration, but if you do play the original, you will occasionally experience some slowdowns. Um, apart from that, I had no technical issues. With that done, I think we're ready to jump straight into the discussion, James. So- yeah, no uh, no big explanation of Mario here. Everybody, uh, everybody knows what the fuck Mario is. Um, so I think that the place I'd like to start the discussion today is just talking about the way Mario controls, because this is a platformer and it kind of like lives or dies by its jumping physics and how you get around and that kind of thing. And um, for me, I think something that stuck out about the way Mario moves is that he's got a very high inertia in that he turns around very slow so if you're um if you're if you're running to the right and you have to stop and go left for a second it takes like a second or two to fully turn around and start going again so he's very heavy feeling i find um and not only that he's very immobile in the air compared to a lot of modern platformers like when you jump he's very hard to you know wiggle left and right to adjust your trajectory it's not as bad as um you know when we did castlevania one where once you've jumped that's it um but it's in that ballpark i'd say well what what it's all about is momentum the more momentum you have in a given direction the less wiggle room you have when you're um when you're jumping from a slower speed you have a little bit more room to maneuver and it's something that took me a while to get used to actually because the effect of this while playing the game is that there uh, there's a lot of variability in terms of your jump height and the length that you jump and the height that you jump yes. and as you said how much time you have to um to turn in the other direction because if you're running really quickly it takes more time to turn in the other direction yes so unlike a game like celeste or even super meat boy there is so much more variability that you need to account for depending on the precise speed that you're moving and it makes it very challenging to get a um accurate idea of where exactly mario is going to land unless you can get to absolute max speed once you're at max speed you can start to develop it but most of the time when you're playing this game you're somewhere in the middle of moving slowly and moving really quickly yeah and i kind of found it hard to i guess intuitively understand the jumps in this game like in a in a modern platformer where your character kind of jumps the same way no matter what. Um, you kind of develop this intuitive sense of where you're going to go when you jump. 
Um, but because there's so many factors here influencing where Mario lands and where he starts and how fast he's going, it took me a bit longer than normal to kind of, you know, be able to do things by feel. I kind of had to, you know, in some of the harder, like kind of like mid-game levels before I'd really developed that intuitive understanding, kind of had to like memorize parts of the map where to press jump rather than just doing it by feel. Um, I don't know if you found that at all. Um, I did it more by feel, and that's probably just because I've played a bit of Super Mario Maker, but it's different to Super Mario Maker. There's a Super Mario um, uh, preset in Super Mario World, and I can tell you it is different. The momentum's different. So that yeah. kind of threw me off a lot. But what you'll what will happen is you'll have situations where you will be jumping forward, you'll awkwardly dodge an enemy, and then you'll jump again to try and get over a over a um you know, over a gap in the in the level. And depending on how fast you were moving when you first arrived at that platform and depending on how exactly you dodged that enemy will determine if you can get over that gap exactly. Yes. And being able to read the speed of your character is essential to actually get through those situations. So like you, James, like I alluded to, this game was far more difficult than I was expecting, <laughs> not because it presented these insanely difficult challenges, but because controlling your character and getting that intuitive understanding and being able to read how fast you're moving is a skill that you need to learn. Yes. And that's not a bad thing, right? Like it's just a, you know, it's just no. a part of the game. No, no, I, I don't want to frame this as a criticism. It's more that it was running against my expectations of platformers, particularly modern platformers. And it actually ran against my expectations of modern platformers in a whole bunch of ways, which I'll get into later. Patrick's understanding of platformers has been subverted by Mario. <laughs> by, by the most <laughs> by the most generic platformer by the original platform. Yeah, see this this is this is what's interesting about this show though, James. Like platformers were a hole in my gaming history because you know the platformers i played with commander keen and bloody <laughs> the 2d duke nukems i didn't have a console so sometimes you play the modern games before the classics so what i'm saying might sound obvious to people who owned a super nintendo and they're wondering what the hell i'm on about but it's <laughs> it's certainly a kind of a revelation for me in some sense mm. I think that um, something that I, uh, this isn't really a criticism either, just a note, um, that I found myself doing a lot, because Mario takes like this extra second to turn, he's like hard to steer almost, I found myself like gripping the controller really tightly and pressing down on the button a lot harder than I would normally be. I don't know if you found yourself doing that, but like my hands were getting sore after playing this game for extended periods of time because I was like, just just turn around, damn it. Man, that's probably a good good time to bring up that I did not, in fact, play this game on a controller. Yes. So I started trying to play with a controller, but uh, I'm going to get slightly technical here, so bear with me. I'm holding a controller in my hands to try and explain. So basically... Run is the left button, which on an Xbox controller for me is X, but it's different on a SNES controller. So the left button is run, and then to jump, you have to press the bottom button. And that felt, when I started trying to do it, incredibly unnatural and felt terrible. And I was telling people who have grown up with controller-based platformers their entire lives, and they couldn't understand what I was on about. 
because for people apparently it's completely natural to have one finger to press two buttons yes i did you rewind your controller or is this true for you no no because like i'll use the, the tip of my thumb to press the left face button and then use the like i guess the body of my thumb i don't know what that's called the rest of it to like bend down and click it at the same time that's completely normal to me i have to do that in dark souls and like every game i've played actually dark souls is worse i have to use a claw grip when running um but yeah doing like weird finger acrobatics on controller completely normal done it since you know i had a console it's completely unnatural to me like i mean i've grown up playing pc games and the thing about pc games is that because you have a keyboard you have thousands or maybe not thousands but you get the idea you have all of these different keys and you have one finger per key or you know or you're using one I mean, finger what you can do right is you can bind the run button to like a bumper button and just hold it with your index finger the whole time or yeah. something like that. So, so that would probably be more comfortable for me. Going but... past the preference bit, it's kind of weird that like you spend 90% of the time running, but it's not the yes. default movement of Mario. Like you, I don't think, I can count the times I walked like on my fingers, right? Like I probably did it less than 10 times. And I think that that is somewhere where I can legitimately criticize this game. Walking speed is is a waste of time. I, I think that um, the walking speed should be faster. Although, to be fair, when I played Super Meat Boy, I'm pretty sure I held down run most of the time. But Super Meat Boy has far better aerial control, so you can kind of jump up and then control yourself in the air to get over objects. So yes. there were certainly specific jumps where I wasn't holding down sprint. But yeah, I, I think that the um, the base walk speed needs to be closer to the walk speed when you're holding an object. Like, just I don't invert know if you it. Notice. Just invert it. Have a button to walk and just run the whole time, right? That makes way more sense to me. Yeah, I, I would um I would just have the um, walk speed be faster because there's just very few situations where you where there's any advantage to moving that slowly. I agree. Yeah. I think it's kind of weird and hasn't aged super well. Yeah. Um, so did you like the movement overall, Patrick? I did. Um, and it's something that took me a while to get the hang of. But in the end, I appreciated how... So one of the things that really bugged me about Castlevania was how you had no... You know, because because the movement and jumping and everything was so rigid... I didn't really feel like I had control over my character. I feel that way in the air still, honestly. Like, I feel... I really wish that Mario had a bit more wiggle room left and right when you were in the air. Not too much, but, like, just enough. Because so many times I found myself unable to, like, fix a slight mistake, which is really punishing in a game that uh, sends you back right to the start every time you fuck up. I don't mind the fact that when you've committed to a jump, there is less wiggle room because I, I think that there's enough. I think the problem comes with the, um, and this is a problem that I've observed about a lot of these early era platformers, is that your screen real estate is so small. It's such a zoomed in perspective that it's very easy to get ambushed by things emerging from the right-hand side of your screen. I mean, screen. you do have some level of camera control. Yeah, this, the weird scroll. I, I never really used that. I thought It that is was... the, uh, the weirdest camera of all time. Uh, you can change, like, the viewport where it is, like, where Mario was centered on the screen. 
is so dated and clunky by today's standards. And I, uh, you know, I had Mario on the far left, so I could always see what was coming basically the whole time. Yeah, so my feel was that it doesn't, like, there's not a problem with, you know, him not having much wiggle room in the air, because it just means that you need to put greater care into making your initial jump. The problem is that is that I was getting ambushed off screen. And if you're if you're doing a jump over a gap and then suddenly there's a bullet bill flying towards you, then it doesn't feel like you've got enough room to adjust. If I yeah. could see more of the screen and if I could see what was coming up more accurately, then it would be easier to own that mistake. When you're getting ambushed by stuff, it, it's just frustrating. Don't get me wrong. I don't think this is like a flaw of the game. It's just to me personally, being able to move more in the air feels better. You know what I mean? Like it's just a yeah, personal yeah, yeah. preference. Um, but I think uh, the game, like really, as long as you're building the levels around the character's moveset, which is definitely the case here, um, then really can almost do anything with the character's momentum and, you know, as long as it matches the challenges you're getting thrown at you. Okay, that seems like a good segue into a into a big concept or idea I have, if you don't mind, if you'll uh, indulge me. Okay. So so after playing this game, I have a conceptualization of what of what this platformer is like compared to other ones I've played, particularly modern ones, which is where most of my experience with platformers is. And that it's I don't consider Super Mario World to be a tight platformer. I think the emphasis of it is more on being a theme park of ideas. It's a playground, right? Yeah, it's a playground. So, and that's not to say it doesn't It's a different skill. style. Honestly, because yeah. like for context, like we've mentioned it already, but we talk about Celeste and Super Meat Boy as being like me and Patrick's kind of like shared context for platformers. These mm. like super accurate uh, technical platformers are definitely the minority, I believe. Um, and this kind of, you know, theme parky, you know, you, there's a lot of wiggle room to play around in these levels in Super mm -hmm. Mario World. And I think that was the the norm for a very long time. Something that I think those ones we've played, you know, Super Meat Boy, is that those levels have, you know, things are in the level for a very good reason. They are required to beat the level or like there is an obstacle that you have to get past. There is so much random shit thrown all around the level, like blocks and enemies and, you know, things to pick up that, you know, you can just completely ignore if you want to, or, you know, you can hit the block or you can do whatever, right? There's so much freedom to kind of experiment and explore in these levels. It's very different to these kinds of, you know, uh, tight spiked filled corridors that we're kind of used to yeah it's not about like learning and honing a specific skill and like doing it over and over until you've got it down pat it's yeah. more about as you play through super mario world you're kind of like gradually developing a general skill set like you're learning yes. how to control mario in a general sense and it keeps throwing these gimmicks and different ideas at you left, right, and center. So you never like get put in a crucible situation. Well, there was one time that I can think <laughs> of, but, but for the most part, you don't get thrown in these crucible situations where it's like, here's a very specific challenge, nail this very specific challenge. Yes. It's more you just learn to control Mario and his momentum. It's not that precision isn't required in spots and that you can be imprecise to beat levels it's that you don't need to do specific precise things to beat levels 
like yes. you said, you got a lot of freedom to, you know, tackle this theme park of ideas. Yes, and, um, you know, like a lot of um, level design in modern games kind of, especially like when we talk about Celeste, is that they'll introduce uh, an idea and then they'll build upon that idea for the next like five or six levels, making it harder and harder. Like they'll introduce some kind of special platform that they use in increasingly complex ways. Um, whereas in Mario, like for the first like 15 worlds, you're seeing something completely different every single time. But because the game's encouraging you to develop that general, you know, sense, you're not like learning how to beat these levels like puzzles. You're learning how to control Mario and yes. you're able to beat the levels kind of, you know, a lot of the time the first try rather than having to learn like the exact place you need to jump in these 10 different spots to beat the one screen. It's less of a puzzle and more of a adventure, I guess. I will say on a micro level, like in each level, they tend to do that escalation thing. Like they'll introduce a concept at the start of the level They'll give you a, you know, it's like, here's it in a slightly harder context. And then there will be a final challenge. I felt like they were cut into thirds. But yes. it's like in any other game, that would have been the tutorial for the mechanic. But but before you can even get the hang of what the mechanic is, it's like, here's a new thing. Um, yeah. Like when they introduce the rope mechanic where you're on the ropes going up and down, you, you're finished the level before you've done anything challenging with it. Now, I have to say, this is not my preferred kind of uh, way I like approaching platformers. I prefer what Celeste does, where it's more about, you know, exploring these cool concepts in detail. And it's something that I can't really get into with the Super Mario Maker, like ROM hack sort of community, but I can on some of the easier levels. Because with Super Mario Maker, the levels are usually, the good levels are usually themed around a single platforming concept, and then you build and build and build off that single concept. Yes. And I have to say, that's my preferred version of platforming because I like feeling I'm improving. Like progressing, yes. Yeah, yeah, like I'm improving my abilities to use that skill. And I understand that's not what this game is about, and that's okay. But I will say it's not what I, it's not ideal for me. And I, I don't, I don't think I prefer it to the modern ones. Yeah, for me, I think I I almost view these kinds of 2D platformers as separate genres almost, right? Um, because I, th I find a lot of value in having these levels be so distinct from each other, like one by one. Like, uh, you know, just the sheer variety you get in this game is great. I really liked it. Um, I found it to be really engaging. You know, every time I went into a new level, I was like, oh, what's it going to be this time? Um, but... You know, it definitely doesn't offer that sense of progression that these other more technical platformers do. Uh, not to say that there are not, like, technical bits in Super Mario World. Far from it. Um, but, you know, it's slightly different target audience here. One of the things I wanted to talk about is that, for the most part in this game, what's interesting about this platformer is the platforming isn't what's hard about it like you're not generally needing to make a bunch of super precise jumps in a row i think most of the difficulty in these levels comes from dealing with enemies while you're trying to platform mm. because there are enemies all over the place in this yes. game and you have to be able to 
avoid them non-stop and they attack you from a bunch of different angles there are some enemies with projectiles there are some that you need to spin jump on etc etc and i think that in terms of making challenging jumps in a row only very few levels actually match that description mostly and those are the castle levels mainly but for mostly you're just trying to not get hit by enemies as you perform relatively simple jumps yeah correct um and i guess this is not something that i prefer although it does add a fair amount of variety and replayability to the levels i mm. find because you can come up to the same jumps and the enemies will have moved into different positions and it's almost like a brand new puzzle because you've got to figure out kind of where your position is on the level so i don't know it's uh, honestly i just prefer hard platforming and hard jumping to having to deal with stuff like this i found it to be kind of annoying in a lot of cases um specifically i think that mario the way the game handles falling diagonally into enemies not counting as hitting them in the head was very frustrating throughout the entire game so many times i felt like for sure i should have killed that stupid goomba but i didn't yeah, the um the enemy hitboxes are quite narrow. I wouldn't say they're imprecise, but you do need to make sure you land right on top of them in order to get the bunk. I will say that in a general sense, now this game is stacked to the brim with levels. Like there's 96 total, half of which are secret levels. Yes. So there's, there's heaps <laughs> and heaps. But if I had to identify like a category of levels that I enjoyed the most... It's the castle levels, so like the the final level at the end of each world, because I think those levels more than any others emphasize precise platforming over dodging enemies, and to me that yes. was the most fun part of the game. Um, Mario is a lot of fun to control, and I found it more fun to be making difficult jumps and dodging saw blades and crushes and thwomps than i did dodging random enemies that were coming at me from off screen yeah i can kind of agree about that do we want to quickly go into an explanation of the overworld and how that kind of leads into everything before um dissecting yep. the various level types sounds good a lot of the, a couple of the mario games before i believe had this kind of overworld where you um you know you do a level you beat it and then mario walks forward on a line to a you know a colored dot that represents another level here in super mario world you really are playing in this big overworld right you're uh, in dinosaur land uh you know and you start off on yoshi's island where you meet yoshi um and you kind of you know for the first maybe like level and a half you just kind of proceed you know, beat level, move down path, beat level, move down path, until you kind of realize that a lot of these levels have these secret exits in them, where if you beat the level in a certain way, um, you'll actually unlock these hidden paths, which kind of crisscross across, you know, the overworld. So there's a lot of like, actually almost like meta exploration involved in super mario world as opposed to you know your generic overworld where it's really just a level select and there are secrets within secrets within secrets within secrets within yeah, secrets yeah. in this game you, you'll yeah. find you'll find a secret level and that will have a secret level and that will have a secret level even the super secret star world has a secret level inside it <laughs> it's yeah. it's absolutely nuts uh yeah I gotta say that I actually, um, so I did beat every level in this game, but I, James and I, we both made the note to at least beat Star World, and I just recently finished 
the final of the special stages just a short while before recording. yeah i was i'm two stages off beating special world i'll probably go back and you know beat it after the episode yeah <laughs> but um but but i had to um i had to look up a walkthrough to access some of these things because i think that in if i was playing this enough i would have discovered them but they're kind of like dark souls tier secrets and that it, they're kind of secrets that get revealed by community engagement. I'd be very impressed if someone discovered all of this just entirely by themselves. I don't think it's that hard to find or if it, it's that... Like, the game tells you, like, a, a level glows red if it has a secret exit. You know that because sure. the game tells you with text. And the levels aren't that long, so really it's just a matter of time doing the level over and over to find the seer, the secret exit. I don't think any of them are particularly hidden so much that you'd have to look them up. If you, you know, if we weren't playing this on this two-week time limit, I feel like you could easily find the special world at the very end of the game, uh, given enough time. Um, no, no, actually... that's fair. They're, they're not. They're not quite as bad as I suggested. You're right. <laughs> Um, I actually really enjoyed this aspect, like this meta discovery of the game. It made the like the overworld feel more, I don't know, alive, I guess, um, more interactable. Uh, I, I really prefer this kind of, you know, progression structure compared to a lot of the classic uh, Mario level selects. Critically, it's all completely optional as well. And that's a that's a real theme for this game. You know, with the power-ups as well, and, you know, the Yoshi coins that you find, and all the secrets, it's all completely optional. Yeah. This game is, you can complete it very easily, well, not very easily, but you can pl- complete <laughs> every level in this game as small Mario. Um, some of the secrets require specific power-ups to gain access to, but it's all just bonuses. It's bonus lives, bonus games, bonus levels, and that's how I like my secrets to be. If you're going to have something obscure and off the beaten path don't make it essential to finish the game but you know it's kind of at the point where there's so much secret stuff that it forms an important part of the main game i mean if half the game's locked behind secrets well maybe it's not it's kind of like essential to the experience it's like part of the game yeah it's part of the core experience like if you play this game like there's an entire world the forest where you have to find the secrets in order to progress like the if you just play the game normally um then it loops you in circles and you can't progress you have to find the secrets and that's that part of the game i really liked because it really taught the player to look for Mm. the secrets and how to look for the secrets through gameplay not through tutorials um it was very natural and from that point on i kind of like i went back to the earlier levels and started trying to find the secrets because i kind of I knew what to look for now because the game taught me with its level design and I really liked that. So um, we'll have a music break in just a moment, but before we do, one more overworld-related idea. Um, I wanted to briefly talk about the Switch Palaces. So in Super Mario World, there are four Switch Palaces, which three of them are behind secret levels. And what they do is they basically create bonus blocks and power-up blocks in the levels as you're playing them if you find the switch palace and activate the button it will magically spawn in a bunch of stuff to help you get through the levels if you don't you won't get them Um, and some of these switch palaces are required to access some of the super secret levels so james i don't know about you but for my first playthrough of this 
game before I got to the special worlds or started secret hunting, I had only activated the first Switch Palace. And I don't know, I found that it was challenging, but that I was completely fine to do that without the bonus help offered by them. Did you did you find more did you find any of the secret switch passes when you were playing? I did. Um however the really the thing that got me to go back and get them all was I had beaten Bowser, I had beaten the game. Um, and then I was trying to do the Star World, and one of them basically requires you to have two out, two at least two of them activated to finish, and uh, it kind of annoying. Like I was like pretty happy doing these special secret bonus levels, and then forced to go back and try to figure out where the hell these things were in the overworld in order to progress. I guess yeah, this, I, um, I looked it up. Yeah, I, I feel like this is like the one instance where the secret finding was mandatory and it kind of took some of the fun away from it. Um, so, you know, that's kind of like, they were, they were kind of whatever for me. Yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting that basically you find these palaces and it makes the game easier. And I don't know how to think about that. Once again, it's another like optional thing, like it makes the game easier to finish. But in some sense, it does cheapen the experience and remove some of the platforming fun. Like, I enjoyed the... The main reason I enjoyed the castles was because it was like a challenging platforming experience. And if I just got a bunch of blocks blocking off some of these platforming obstacles, it wouldn't have been as fun to overcome. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a bit off the idea of the Switch passes. Like, I get the idea behind them, but I would rather they were just out in the open and you can choose to activate them if you choose. Hiding them, like, if the idea is that it's meant to make it easier, I don't understand why you hide them. <laughs> make, it, make, it, make it easily accessible to people who want an easier experience. Don't, don't hide them behind secrets. Yeah, I'm not sure that making the game easier is purely the intention. It feels like a reward, but... I guess it feels like a design misstep. It's like people who go out of their way to find them want a challenge, so by getting them, you're kind of like punishing yourself by making it easier. I don't yeah. know. It's all a little odd, yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, re I really liked the overworld and the secrets and how, you know, half the game is optional, but you get rewarded with new levels constantly. Like, I found heaps of levels that just didn't lead to anything, but were just there. Um, and I still, like, enjoyed finding them because they were just, you know, more fun levels to do. It's exactly the same with Celeste. Like, the reward for finding a secret is another platforming challenge. Like, if yes. the game is good enough, you don't actually need anything more. It's uh, just getting to play more of the game, right? Yeah. yeah it's. I remember Absolutely. I was watching um, one of Joseph Anderson's videos, and one of his criticisms of Super Mario Odyssey is finding a secret that has a star in it isn't nearly as rewarding as finding a secret that has platforming in it and yeah. <laughs> uh yeah super mario world fills that uh that swimmingly but anyway james yeah. it's time for a music break uh so the track that i've selected is unsurprisingly my favorite area in the game is called castle i love the soundtrack of this game i think it's fantastic and to some degree i've got this element of bias because even though i'm not a massive mario player myself i have dabbled uh i'm really into watching people play mario i love watching people play the rom hacks i love watching people play super mario um expert you know super expert no skips uh there's something wonderful about watching these kind of like kaizo 
versions of Mario where they take the basic toolkit of the game and rekit it into this hardcore platformer experience that's more in line with something like Celeste or Super Meat Boy's harder levels. Uh, so I've listened, I've already listened to a lot of this music for hours on end as I as I watch the people play these games. And I'll tell you what, I am still not over it. I still think the music is incredible. There's um, heaps of variety from um, from the more joyous tones to the more spooky ones like in the ghost house. But my favorite one is definitely Castle. Castle is very different from the other tracks in that it's very ominous. Uh, even though I wouldn't call them organs, the noise is organ-like. And as you go into the castle, you know, with the with the torches on the walls, you st- it starts off nice and slow and builds up the tension as you're getting through the most difficult platforming challenges in the game. So yeah, this is this is my favorite track in the game, Castle. Castle, and I gotta say, Patrick, I'm surprised at how high you are on this soundtrack. You usually uh, don't like these uh, chippier, more whimsical soundtracks, although part of me is also of the mind that I don't think anybody could dislike this soundtrack. It's like, it's truly an iconic soundtrack, and I think that, you know, especially the main themes and the sped up, more athletic main theme are just truly incredible, and they've stuck in my head the entire time um, we were preparing for this episode, I gotta say. I think what makes it different is the complexity of these pieces. I, a lot of the music we've listened to these more orchestral ones for jrpgs and stuff have nowhere near the complexity or intensity of the music in super mario brothers and i just think that the themes perfectly capture the kind of platforming you're doing like uh there's one one theme that keeps coming up when you tend to go on you know your plat you're platforming off those moving platforms where you're kind of somewhat on rails and you're jumping to dodge obstacles and when you go to the ghost house there's a spooky theme as you're trying to desperately avoid the ghosts that scatter every inch of your screen and uh yeah i mean like i said i've got the inbuilt bias of you know listening to these before this episode but i mean it's just some of the best super nintendo music there is and i i think that if there's one part of this game that i think is indisputably brilliant it's the music yeah absolutely i think the um the super nintendo was that tipping point um where i think music and graphics became genuinely good not good despite their (laughs) 
you know the things holding them back if you know what i mean like i think the the huge jump in quality here is very noticeable and i really really enjoyed listening and looking back on this game in terms of aesthetics um you mentioned the ghost house patrick um those levels were fucking difficult and they were more like puzzles than they were platforming challenges did you enjoy those I did. Um, so yeah, I I didn't find them insanely difficult. Usually each ghost house had one central gimmick or puzzle to solve, but it made a nice, fun change of pace from the um, from the other levels. What I quite liked about it is that the enemies in those levels acted more like moving obstacles as opposed to the regular enemies that you face in the other levels. There's a lot of... Um, you know, like the circle of ghosts and the the boos that are that move towards you, and there's ghosts mm. that just flying in a, fly in a straight line across your screen, and there was this kind of level of intensity to beating the levels as the boos are slowly, you know, chasing after you as you're playing them. So if the whole game was levels like that, I wouldn't have enjoyed it very much. But it's fan, it's it's fantastic variety because this it's still platforming. It's still essentially platforming, but it's different enough to make it fun for the, for a while it lasted. And they're nicely spaced out over the course of the game. So yeah, big thumbs up for the Ghost House. I got a. I actually did get fully stuck on a couple of these and had to honestly had to look up the solution. I just could not find myself out of these uh, haunted halls. Um, yeah, I, I think I, um, I think it's just my familiarity with these these kinds of levels from Super Mario Maker. Even the um, campaign of Super Mario Maker Two has variations on these on these ghost houses. So I kind of knew knew what what to you expect. were getting for. Right, yeah, okay, I knew what I was I, getting into. I was yeah. caught completely off guard by these like puzzle levels, but they were you know they were pretty fun for the most part. And you know, even when I did have to look up because I felt like a big dum dum, I was pretty. I was pretty high on them overall. Um, where did you want to go from here, Patrick? I think uh, level design in general is probably the next big stop on the roadmap. Yeah, of course. Did you want to jump into it? I've got some thoughts to share about it as yeah, well. Yeah, no, go right. ahead. Yeah. Um, so the thing about the levels is, I mean, I've kind of already alluded to the um, to the nature of the enemy-filled levels, but from a bigger picture perspective, one of the things I wanted to talk about was how power-ups can drastically break a level in half <laughs> drastically yeah affect the level break it in half particularly the cape power-up is actually so ridiculous yeah. you, it took me a while to figure out how to um remember how to control the cape but there are levels where if you get a cape or if you start level with a cape you literally skip the entire level like you just they, fly over the you top just of the fly entire, over the entire thing, level yeah. and and that's the end of the level so the levels, the way I would describe it is the levels are designed with you being small Mario or big Mario um, and the level exists like that. And then they've just kind of thrown, there are these power-ups which break the level, the cape and the um, and the fire Mario and Yoshi, and Yoshi as well. Yeah. yeah. And they don't care. The, the level designers were like, you know what? These levels are designed to platform with small or big Mario, but we've got these super cool power-ups. Go nuts. Break the level. And it's something that's... It's really fun, right? You just... You wouldn't expect that... Well, in a way, you wouldn't expect this in modern game design because the people who made the game want to control the nature of the experience. 
And why would they go to all this effort designing this level if you can literally skip the entire <laughs> thing? But uh, it certainly is fun, you know, just having the option to easily skip a level if you so choose. You feel really sneaky the first time you do it and you just like fly over the entire time. I felt guilty. You felt guilty. <laughs> I did. I was like, am I really playing Mario? Like, does this count <laughs> if I just fly over the whole level you can't do it with every level there are indoor no levels, because I, the first time i did it i was like i'm gonna do this for every level and then obviously like there's some <laughs> like run? pipe yeah there's a speed run <laughs> there's some pipe sticking down like right at the start of the the next one like they know they know you're gonna try and do this they do um and i think uh, i think they give you your fun on purpose well, i think well, you're yeah. um, underselling the the design here i mean once again it's just that playground that they want you to play with and you can engage with the game however you so choose you can find all the secrets you don't have to find all the secrets you can skip certain levels with capes or you can you know play them properly i will say that when a cape lets me skip a level completely as i did a couple of times i did feel guilty like i was like it, it doesn't really feel like I'm playing the game here because there's all of this platforming that I've just completely skipped. And that made me feel a little uneasy. But it didn't happen so much that I, that, you know, that it ruined the experience or anything. And I wasn't deliberately trying to get a cape all the time so that I could do it. It was more if I have a cape. And, you know, I'll try flying for a bit and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, when you have a cape and a Yoshi, you feel fucking invincible in this <laughs> game. It's like you're a god amongst <laughs> Italians or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like the level design in this game, honestly. I think it does a really good job mixing things up. Um, as you said, the power-ups offer a nice variety. And something with just the general game mechanics that I loved in this game... Um, is that everything is so interactable, I'm going to say. Like, there are these buttons that you can jump on, um, which have various effects. The P-switches, yeah, like turning coins into blocks. But not only can you just jump on them, but you can pick them up and run around with them, and this opens up, like, a lot of weird level design. Um, the same with the little springs. You, instead of just being, you know fixed to the ground um you can pick everything up you can throw it at enemies you can throw it at blocks um and there's some really novel stuff that they have the ability to do here they don't go as far as i'd like with these kinds of like i guess gameplay puzzles that maybe something in the you know those kaizo levels that people make um <laughs> that do but yeah, I, I find the general mechanics to be really fun. Yeah, it's it's funny. Once again, see, there are parts of this game where, you know, it's like new to me, but what you're talking about, the interactability, that is precisely what the ROM hack community and, you know, Super Mario Maker 2 have really kind of Honed shown how, yeah. how far you can push those mechanics in a whole bunch of different ways. Like there are ones where you use them as part of these elaborate platforming things. But there are also literal puzzle levels in Super Mario Maker where you need to use P-switches and springs and, you know, bombs. They can blow up certain blocks. So you use bombs to blow up certain blocks. You know how you can throw up objects against, uh, you know, you can throw shells against question mark yes. blocks. You can throw them yes. up in the air or against them it's the the tool set here is nuts and that's why yes. super mario maker is like, a thing 
yeah, the, you're completely right. The interactability of everything is crazy. It's really I, cool, yeah. Yeah. I, so, um, I think that the fact that, like, they're still milking this moveset, like, fucking, what, it's like 30 years later, It's I think it's hmm. just a testament to how strong the base game mechanics on display here are. Even if not all of the levels make full use of them, um most of them you know do 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 so you know on a on a, enough of a scale that it's really fun throughout the experience yeah i think the question is do you think this game would have been better if instead of having as many mechanics and gimmicks as it did if it spent more time with less mechanics and I don't know how to answer that question. Uh, that's such a can of worms, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that the spirit of this game, and when you take a step back and look at the game as a whole, it's just meant to just throw cool things at you. And you're it's meant to freedom. enjoy you it on the that basis. freedom to yeah. explore the world at your own pace and exactly. do what you want to do when you want to do it without being like held down by these like rigid level structures. It's a very... A free whimsical exploration focused platformer rather than you know a challenge based one and it really it really does sell that to you in a very good way i think yeah every time you go into a new level it's like cool what are we doing this time yeah um do you want to talk about the special stages a little bit um they were really hard <laughs> there's um one in particular i want to highlight not not that this this was one of the harder levels, but I think it's also the level that, for me at least, felt the closest to modern platforming design. And that's the level Tubular. It's yes. the P-Balloon level. So there are probably multiple ways through this level, but the way I beat it was I basically chained three P-Balloons together by hitting specific blocks to get yes. more. Did yeah, you do the too. same thing? Yeah, so what what you can probably like use Yoshi or whatever to precisely bounce off every enemy or whatever. I'm sure I'm sure there's something you can do. But um this level felt the the closest to modern design because instead of having a million ways to solve each problem, it felt like there was really one way to beat this level, which was to chain pea balloons together. The fucking pea balloons giving me Lost Vikings flashbacks with, <laughs> with the exactly weird the character same, isn't inflating. It? Yeah, it's so yeah. creepy. Yeah, so so it works like what you do is there's enemy spam and enemies everywhere, and you have to find the precise way to get through this web of enemies, specifically hitting specific blocks to get the next pea balloon to get to the end. And it was a challenging level. And at the end of it, I was like, well, obviously they know how to make levels like this. It's just they saved it for this special stage tucked away. Yeah, I mean, I found those levels where I was forced to, like, really learn the level in order to beat to be the ones that I enjoyed the least, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I think this game shines when uh, you have the ability to, you know, react quickly to enemies and to explore new and interesting worlds. When you're when you're stuck here doing the same level over and over, I don't find it engaging in the same way as I did when I played Celeste a few years ago. Because I think the main criticism I have of this game is the checkpointing way system and the life system because i think uh lives as a mechanic and a way of progression is completely outdated at this point and i fucking hate it yep. um and you know i basically refuse to buy into it like i used um, my emulator i put a 
I put a save at the start of every level and then I just played the level from beginning to end in one go and then I moved to the next one, I made my own checkpoint and you know if the level had a midway checkpoint I put one there too because I just cannot be bothered dealing with the shitty live system. Um, I did exactly nowadays. the same thing for full disclosure. I was um I was creating a save state at the start of each level. Yeah, I, I didn't put any mid level to cheese any levels and make any easier or anything, but it was you know, tempting to do so for some levels, but me neither. <laughs> yeah, push through it. Um but yeah, I think the level design doesn't I think the checkpointing system, which, you know, if you beat if you get the mid checkpoint and then you die, it still boots you back to the overworld screen, but then when you load into the level you spawn at the checkpoint instead. So it like wastes your time kind of, and I really didn't like that. And I don't because of this and because of the way, you know, the deaths work and, you know, dying and having to go back into the overworld and then go back into the game when you've only got like one or two hits before you die, I don't think the game is set up to support these like Super Meat Boil style precision platforming levels because they just get really frustrating really quickly due to how much time is wasted between deaths. I mean, when you've got save states and load states, it's not a problem though, right? Yeah, it's not so bad, um, but you know, even then, because there's barely any checkpoints in the level, like they they generally put the hardest platforming parts at the end of the level. So when you're stuck at this bit at the end, you have to spend so much time, you know, going through the motions and beating these levels that you've beaten, you know, that like a trivially trivially easy to beat. Right? I really didn't like that. Maybe yeah. maybe I should have just put a save state at the point where like I know I can't fuck up up until this point, but it felt like uh, cheating. Correct. That's because it is yeah. cheating. <laughs> yeah, this, beating the levels. It's kind of like an endurance event whereas in celeste or whatever it's a sprint yeah. like you have to do a super difficult thing super precise thing but once you've done it it takes you know three seconds to actually execute total yeah i much super prefer mario that world to is what about this does here. Yeah. it's about not making mistakes you know um i also other levels i wanted to highlight uh the first level that really gave me a lot of trouble where i was like Man, I was so foolish saying that I would breeze through this. Was <laughs> was Lemmy's Castle, and if you don't know which one that is, James, it's the one where there's a Magic Cooper like following you around, shooting things at you mm, that destroy I blocks. That one, yeah, and you have to use it to destroy blocks. Yes, holy shit, that level took me so long to get through. <laughs> Because not only is it hard to get it to destroy the blocks you want it to destroy, it kind of will happily teleport in on top of you. Yes. You know how we were talking about how you can't change your momentum, like you kind of are committed to the jumps you make? So you commit to a jump and you see him start to spawn in where you're going (laughs) to land. And it's like, like, oh no, I can't do anything. Yeah, I'm dead. So, um, For me, it was that one where there is the block that is moving and there's like five of them and they disappear. Like it, it like snakes along the level and you have to jump as, uh, as it yeah. moves. I think I died way too many times on that level compared to how hard it was. Um, but that one took me a long time to beat for some reason. Yeah, so these these are both castle levels, but for all that I found them difficult, I want to maintain that these were my favorite levels. They, these were mm. the most enjoyable for me because they felt like I had to get good at, you know, learning how to control Mario. You know, dodging thwomps, dodging the wooden spikes, 
um, dodging the big metal spikes, all the the razor, uh, the um, the Super Meat Boy star saws, all of that is brilliant. And yeah, you die a lot, but I mean that's just how these games. That's go. how it is, right? Yeah, that's yeah, fine. that's yeah. just how it is. Yeah, and you learn the level and the bits which gave you trouble at first. You come up with a strategy to get through them. Um, I was very disappointed with the boss fights, though. The boss fights in this game are incredibly underwhelming. I found them fine, honestly. They were just short little puzzles. Uh, Bowser himself was really hard, though, compared to the yeah. rest of them. Bowser wasn't um, underwhelming, but the other seven bosses were like... Uh, I was just... It's just literally they all have one gimmick, and yes. you do, do you know, do it three jump times, on them right? three times. Yeah, it's the Nintendo they, formula and, of bosses. And, and then they reuse it. There are some bosses which are the same as other bosses. It's just there's two fireballs. It's just slightly harder. Right yeah. Yeah. Um, I found them fine. I didn't mind the boss fights. Uh, I did like a couple of them. I, like the first one where you've got like the seesaw and you've got to knock him into the lava. That was fine. And then honestly, I didn't like that one where, you know, that you have to play whack-a-mole, I guess. Mm. Uh, I found that kind of frustrating. Um, and the... There's this one boss that's like three triceratops on a Ferris Four. wheel. Yeah. Yeah, that was really bizarre. Um, I had <laughs> really bizarre. Um, well, but... the floor starts to disappear beneath you. Yeah, I, I mean, I found them whatever. They weren't terrible, but they weren't great either. I just think that this kind of boss design, like uh, what's meant to be the, I guess, the apex of difficulty ended up being one of the easier parts of the level yeah, the game, and to me yeah. and to me that's poor design like if you're going through this difficult platforming challenge then Dude, you want with to the end on a high system note. having those things be really hard would just like if those things were super hard i would 100 percent be putting save states outside the doors like fuck having to like do the whole super hard castle and then do a super hard boss as well I I don't um, necessarily want a super hard boss. I'm not I'm not saying I want to die thousands of times. I'm saying that having just a single like every single boss has exactly a single attack or whatever. That's sure. not enough. I, I, I think that the climax of those castles should be more interesting. And to me they were it was like a big a big drop in quality after the excellent platforming I went through. That's yeah, more what just, I'm saying. Okay, sure, that's fine. Not um, not you know stab me with knives. I I don't want to have to do the run <laughs> thousands of times. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'd say my one of my my second biggest criticism of the game past the checkpointing is there was this one level. I think it was early on. It might have even been World 2, one of the first cave levels, where there's these mm -hmm. yellow blocks that move up and down and kind of, like, block your path. There are so many situations where you just have to wait for, like, 10 or 20 seconds for these stupid things to move. Like, no matter how fast or slow you get to the point, just the game sometimes does not respect your time. I found, like, you just have to wait for shit to move in order to progress when, like, you know, you're good enough to go pretty fast through these levels and then there's this, like, stupid block you've got to wait to, like, scroll down the screen at a snail's pace. I found that really annoying. Also, the water levels still suck. The water levels you know, complete trash, going, yeah. going, <laughs> There's nothing fun about moving at a snail's pace in these games. And that's what no, these games just... are. You move at a snail's pace. Yeah, I just want to go fast, so uh, yeah, screw water levels, screw some of the cave levels, but for the most part, I thought the level design was pretty damn good. Yeah, it 
like I said, it's um it's very different from modern, but it's it suits the theme that it's going for. Mm. James, do you want to um take another music break now? Yeah, of course. So I was debating over which track to play because I think the main, I guess, theme overworld and the theme uh, athletic, which is I think the one you alluded to earlier that often plays mm. uh, when there's these like moving platforms and, you know, shit's about to go down. Uh, and I love both of these themes. They use the same motif throughout both of them. But I think we'll go with, you know, the iconic classic uh, theme of Super Mario World, which is the overworld theme. So here you go, guys. overworld and that track is absolutely iconic i think it is the best track in the game the one that you know most people will have recognized and have heard many many times it's a you know i think this is one of the iconic tracks you know in gaming history i really love it i mean like i said every every track is excellent this is probably the best super nintendo soundtrack i've ever listened to yeah it's just awesome um so we've gone over a lot of stuff now, Patrick. Um... So I did want to talk about the graphics. So I think Super Mario World's graphics and visuals are absolutely gorgeous. I love the look of this game. Uh, each and every level, as we've alluded to, is filled with different enemy types, different objects, different enemies. And every one of them is easily identifiable, filled with personality and visually distinct from everything else. Even when the level is filled with stuff in your face, you can immediately identify every single thing on the screen, and it's also bright and colourful and distinct and clear. Uh, this game has an absolutely timeless look, and it's one of the best-looking games we've done for this podcast, full stop. Patrick, you're going to have to clarify something for me here. This is probably the first time on this entire show that you have praised a game with colorful graphics <laughs> um. <laughs> well i mean it's not just colorful graphics you've got the ghost house and the bowser's castle bits but uh -huh, for the most uh -huh. part it tends to be more on the colorful side <laughs> it, it is be, true that the games i tend to like tend to be a bit darker in tone visually this is a very dark tone, tone <laughs> game as well. it's got like saw blades and you know crushing hammers and that kind of thing but for the most part 
and by for the most part I mean for the entire part, I agree with you. I think this game looks fantastic to this day. I think it's got a truly timeless look. And every level has a lot of personalities. Some of the ways that they do... A lot of the coloration of the backgrounds in particular in contrast to the... Um, to, you know, the objects on screen really stands out. I think uh, Dinosaur Land is an uh, absolute joy to explore with Mario and Yoshi, and I think that, um, you know, it's it's something that'll win win anybody over who comes and tries to enjoy it. If I had to pick out a weak spot, it would probably be the cave systems, like the underground areas, which look yeah. rather bland in comparison to the other areas the um overworld areas the areas in the sky the castle the ghost houses um but on the whole it's it's hard to complain like it's a it's a feast for the eyes there was this uh there was this one weird thing that i noticed um mm -hmm. so in the final fight against bowser um between phases peach kind of like because bowser's in his like little cart thing clown car um yeah, he's in the clown car, and between phases, like, Peach pops up and is, like, screaming and shaking her arms, but she looks like fucking olive oil from Popeye, the way she's animated. <laughs> That's pretty it's accurate. Re it's really weird. That, um, um, that whole fight actually is very visually distinct from anything else in the game, I think. Like, I think it looks really good, but the whole the whole thing almost looks like it's come from a slightly different different design school than um, than the rest of the game. Yeah, there was so much detail in Bowser's character model compared mm. to every other enemy in the game. I would do I will say though that the background just being plain black was really boring. I thought they could have, you know, made it rain or do something more interesting. I guess it did flash a bit with lightning, but you know, it was pretty 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 dull scenery for what's supposed to be in you know the final confrontation. Yeah, as far as fights in the rain, it's no Devil May Cry three. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, I haven't uh, actually played that game because you haven't ooh, picked it for the show yet. I, so, I've uh, got to pick it for the show because yeah, there's yeah. there's a fight in the rain. It's not even halfway through the game, um, and it's yeah. it's my favorite favorite scene in the entire game. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's quite good, but yeah, it's it's no Devil May Cry three. So yeah, <laughs> get your shit together, Mario. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, <laughs> Mario looks better than Devil May Cry three though, right? Ah, uh, easily, easily. <laughs> I mean, it, lo it looks better than most games. Like, I wouldn't quite put it on Castlevania Symphony of the Night tier. Like, I think, I think that you know this cartoony style, while it's eternal, is not sophisticated enough for my palate if you will it's uh, just not yeah just here not. it is this is what i was talking about <laughs> it's just not you know perfect to my preference but um but yeah. i mean as far as cartoony sort of childlike graphics go i can't think of a better example it's very very good yeah the music and the visuals work together really well to make this very mm -hmm. distinctive feel um, and I think it just makes the game an absolute joy to go through, even when, you know, you're struggling with these levels that were a bit harder than you might have been expecting. Um, you know, you keep plowing on because you're just having such a good time. Okay, um, do you have anything else to go into, James? I think I've covered most of what I need No, to. I think that's about it. Um, did you want to give us your final impressions then? I would love to. Over the course of this past hour or so when we've been discussing and reviewing this game, it may have become apparent that my thoughts are a little discombobulated about how good this game exactly is and what it is that makes it tick. 
in a lot of ways, that's because Super Mario World is a discombobulated game. It's a game of so many moving parts that it's difficult to neatly sum up in one sentence. Modern platformers that I've played in the past, where most of my experience of this genre come from, tend to be far tighter experiences, and it's more about honing a specific skill or a specific gimmick over and over and over again as you die hundreds of times trying to accomplish platforming perfection. Super Mario World is very different. It gives you this constant stream of new ideas. It bombards you with new concepts, moving on from them before you've even come to grips with the previous one, before you're doing something completely new. And I think it's fantastic. At first, I was I was thrown off by it, but the more I played Super Mario World, the more I realized that the way you're meant to play this game is to relax and just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the variety. Don't think of this as the most challenging game ever, even though it has challenging bits. Just play through it and enjoy the variety. And it's not even like you're not improving at the game as you go. It's not like there's no challenge. It's just that you're getting generically better at controlling Mario. It's a very good game. It's there as a playground. You should play through it at a relaxed pace and really enjoy everything that's on show because, yeah, the game truly is better than the sum of its parts. I recommend Super Mario World, and it's a sort of game where I could go and play it from start to finish again right now and get just as much out of it as I did the first time over. It wasn't an insanely skill-testing experience, but it was a very enjoyable one. Two thumbs up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with Patrick for the most part here. This is a uh, a loose, refined experience with a, a lot of playground level design that has you exploring these interesting worlds and looking for secrets left, right, and center. Not all of these secrets lead to hidden worlds. Some of them just give you a cool power-up, but all of them are really fun to find and to explore. Mario feels good to control, though I prefer, you know, something with a bit more aerial maneuverability. But all the levels are designed perfectly around his skill set. I think Super Mario World is a great game with a fantastic soundtrack and a truly timeless aesthetic, and basically fun for anybody who enjoys platformers. Uh, even uh, even Patrick is won over by the, uh, the theme park level design here. Um, so yeah, absolutely. If you haven't checked this game out, you should definitely have it on your list. It's a you know it's a really good time. So surprise, surprise! The game that people think is one of the greatest games of all time is in fact a very very good, good game. game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I have been surprised in the past with games people have uh, held in high regard. So I think this is uh, <laughs> Luna Silver Star. Sorry. <laughs> I think this is one of the first games that's actually aged better in some ways because nowadays you can play this game with real checkpoints um so you know in that sense it's gotten better uh but uh yeah absolutely deserves all the praise it gets yeah what what's kind of interesting is that this style of platformer to my knowledge doesn't really exist anymore outside of like, mario I <laughs> Well, well, when you when you think of Super Mario World, the kind of experience you have with it, the experience I have with modern platformers doesn't really match up with with this game. So, if you want this kind of experience, playing the original game is probably best the best bet. place yeah, to have absolutely. it. It's really fascinating. You know, it seems like this style has people have kind of moved on from it, but I don't know if 
I don't know if the games I play today are evolutions. They're just kind of sidesteps. Yeah. They 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 take an element of it and, you know, refine it and do their own thing. But this theme park sort of style, playground sort of style doesn't exist in the same way. So it's it's certainly very interesting. It was a it was a unique experience for me, which is not what you'd expect to see from a game that's this popular. You're right, Patrick. I do pick great games for the show. <laughs> On occasion, you do pick good games. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, so thank you, everyone, for listening. We are the Retrospectives Podcast. Um, you can find all of our content on our website, rspodcast.net. We've got all of our episodes there. Um, you can listen to us on Spotify. Uh, we've got some episodes on YouTube, but not in full catalog yet. Um, or, you know, through wherever else you normally listen to podcasts. On our website, we've also got a host of articles that James and I have written about the games we've played and some other modern games. Uh, James and I both had some articles that had something related to Lunar Silver Star Story. Uh, so if you uh, like hearing me rant incoherently about JRPGs or James Suave uh, exploration of another modern JRPG that he thinks does a better job, you can read it there. Um, most importantly, we would love if you would come and join our Discord server. At the end of the day, James and I are doing this show because we enjoy talking about video games, whether old or new. So if you have any opinions to share about this episode, another episode, have a game to recommend, or simply want to rag on our opinions one way or another, we would love if you would join our Discord server, join the conversation. We've got a mailbag episode coming up before too long, so if you've got any questions to ask, we'd love if you'd, uh, if you'd ask them there. And uh, that's where most of our community engagement happens. So if you have any thoughts to share, good or bad, please drop by our Discord server. Yeah, so with that out of the way, I guess it's time to uh, talk about what we're playing next. And uh, it's one that uh, people have been waiting for for a while, right, Pat? Yeah, so this is, in a lot of ways, this next episode is kind of special because James and I, for the past 46 episodes, have never done a sequel. The closest we got was we did Castlevania Symphony of the Night quite early on, and then we went back and did the original Castlevania, but they're basically two separate games. For the very first time, we're doing a true sequel. We're doing Thief 2. So Thief was a game I really, really liked. Like, I loved Thief 1. Um, I think that in a lot of ways, it's still one of the best stealth games I've ever played. It's um, It was simple, but... There's something absolutely fascinating about being dropped in a labyrinth of a level and having to navigate your way through it, construct a mental map. Not a game without flaws. It was a heavily flawed game, but it's one of the best games we've done on the podcast as far as I'm concerned. And finally, we get to do the sequel to Thief, which in the mind of a lot of people is even better than the first. So I'm really keen to talk about this game. I'm really eager to see what it has changed, what it's improved upon, maybe what's gotten worse. I, I don't really quite know yet. But um, yeah, this is I'm really keen for this. Uh, I, I hope you're looking forward to it as well, James. So my opinion of Thief 1 actually kind of went down, I feel like, since we did the episodes. Um, mm. Recently, we played Splinter Cell 1, which I vastly preferred to Thief 1. I don't think I could ever push myself to play Thief 1 again. 
Um, it was a pretty long Jeez. game that had, you know, like really good mechanics at its core, but some truly, some levels that I truly despised sprinkled in through some truly excellent ones, such as uh, the Thieves Guild in particular. I hated yeah. that level with a passion. That level, that level is garbage. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. It's just yeah. a mess. Yeah, and, you know, there was a couple of, you know, brilliant, brilliant levels, like uh, the one at the Opera House and um, mm. a couple of the earlier ones that I really the enjoyed. Sword. But, yeah, the sword, too, in um, that really cool mansion. Um, but I'm kind of hoping that Thief 2 fixes a lot of the issues I had with the first game uh, and kind of hones in on the, you know, the interesting level design that made the some of the levels in the first game great. Because uh, I think Thief 1 had a lot of potential, but for me, you know, even though I gave it a recommend, was still like on that kind of low end of recommend, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, so, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, get a bit more out of it this time. Okay, excellent. So um, we'll see you next fortnight for a very long episode on Thief 2. Adios, everyone. See ya. See ya.